Well, Bob, thank you so much for taking time for this. I really appreciate it. Hi, Michelle. Um, thank you. Absolutely. As we start, just a quick question. Can you talk a little bit about your title and your uh, current role at your company? Uh, yes. So uh, I am the head of cybersecurity for Directly. Uh, but uh, I am also an information warfare commander, a commanding officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve. Uh, so at, uh, directly, I, I think uh, for the longest, we, we really have been uh, a leading company in uh, customer support uh, automation. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so using artificial uh, intelligence and uh, also for providing a gig economy to people we call uh, experts. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in the Navy, I am the commanding officer of about 72 member uh, team. We pretty much manage the Navy Global Network Operations Support Center. It's a pretty big job, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I do uh, once once a uh, weekend, a month, and uh, two weeks out of the year. It's amazing. So it's interesting that actually quite a few a few members that we interviewed, most of them kind of transitioned, but they had military background, but they transitioned to uh, kind of corporate world. It's interesting that mm -hmm. you still kind of straddle both both worlds it's, a, it's pretty, pretty impressive and as the CISO of, uh, directly what's what's within your purview yes so uh, basically uh, it's everything that's related to information uh, mm -hmm. security now prior to the pandemic uh, that included physical security as well but uh, mm -hmm. I think we're going to be losing our building soon because for the last few years as, as, as you know everybody has been working from from home Mm -hmm. uh, as long as they have an internet connection, they, mm -hmm. they can do their, their work. But yeah, uh, it's pretty much the entire spectrum of information uh, security. I understand. I understand. And um, how did you get, can you talk a little bit about, about some of the previous roles? I just want to get a sense of your career arc. Oh. Uh, how did you get in this space? Absolutely. Yeah, so I think for me, it started in August 1997, and that's a long time ago. I kind of started in IT support. Uh, so I was a computer uh, tech, and then I wanted to get into networking. So uh, I, I became a network analyst and then network engineer. And I, and I was just studying uh, back then, early 2000, Microsoft Certified System Engineer uh, certification it was a pretty big deal back then. And around that time, I think it was in 2001, Microsoft introduced a security constant concentration for that. So MCSC security. So I got into it and that's when I realized I really love security above every, everything else. So uh, I kind of climbed up the ladder that was at the University of Alabama and in 2005, I think it was, uh, I had the opportunity, even though I was already IT director, I pretty much took a demotion in order to do security full-time. So I became mm -hmm. a information security engineer for the very first uh, CISO of the University of Alabama. And mm. 20 years later, he's still there. Uh, he's, he's still the, the one and only CISO of the uh, university. But, um, and then also a year prior to that, so that was in 2004, so 18 years ago, in October, I joined the uh, US Navy uh, Reserve. Uh, mm -hmm. I was at the very bottom of the uh, career ladder of the chain of command, right? I was a seaman uh, recruit, E1. So pretty much everybody outranked me back, back then. But when I went to uh, uh, boot camp that was in uh, Great Lakes, uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois, uh, that's when I made up my mind. Uh, I was either going to become a senior enlisted person, E7 or above, or a senior uh, officer, uh, commander or above. And uh, that dream uh, was realized for me last year when I became a commander in the US Navy awesome. Reserve. Congrats. So, 
it's been quite a journey. But what I really love about it is what I do for the Navy is the same exact thing I do for the industry. Uh, but of course, we don't have the same priorities and we don't have the same uh, uh, budget, right? Uh, security for the Navy is extremely crucial uh, because it's not just you know, losing your reputation or money, but if we don't do it right, people are going to die, right? We, yeah. You can say that in the in the industry. And uh, also, we, we we tend to have a limited budget. I believe last year, the budget of the US Navy was like $200 billion, if I'm not mis mistaken. I think if we run out of money, Congress just prints out more money for us, right? <laughs> but uh, in the real world, in the industry, your budget resources are usually very uh, limited and you have to do the very best you can with whatever resources that are available to you. Certainly. It's uh, amazing. And uh, again, congrats on achieving your the goals that you said quite a while Thank back. And, and kind of in, in this vein, I I guess cybersecurity as a concept, as a area has evolved and so much over the last um, uh, decade, even, even recently, it seems... Uh, it just it's top of mind for so many people from um, yes from uh, board of directors to uh, to government and you know, federal state local mm -hmm. to educational institutions healthcare I think it's just it's more top of mind of what the implications are and, and as the world gets more interconnected and more our lives we, we live live on, the, on within within the kind of confines of the internet and, and think. Uh, that amplifies some of those risks. Um, and I think more as a result, more and more people are okay. looking to make a career uh, in cybersecurity. And we're kind of with this, from your perspective and from your vantage point, will be your advice for someone who maybe is more junior, as you mentioned, uh, they're, they're starting, everyone is out is outranking them, but they're looking to make this career or maybe even students in, uh, in college or someone in IT who's, make, who's looking mm -hmm. over at cybersecurity and, and considering a transition. What, from your vantage point, what do you, would you recommend they do? What they, what should they focus on, to, um, I guess, to, uh, to stack the deck their way a little bit and and be more strategic about how they use their time. Yes, actually, that's a very important question, and I get asked that quite a lot. Uh, that's the reason why I think it was October or November of 2020. I actually wrote an article for Forbes. I am part of the Forbes Technology Council. And the mm -hmm. article I wrote was uh, my expert advice on becoming a cybersecurity professional. Mm -hmm. So what off the gate, I think everybody will have their own unique experience, right? Uh, mm -hmm. it, it looks like no matter what you're doing now, you can definitely end up in cybersecurity. And like you say, it's becoming more and more uh, important. And uh, uh, one, one thing that is true, I think it was uh, uh, in the beginning of 2000, the early 2000, IEC Square, um, they are the, the one who maintain and give the CSSP security certification, which I think is kind of the gold standard mm -hmm. for security professional. They said that uh, there were about 2.8 million professionals in the cybersecurity uh, work, workforce, but however, there were more than 4 million uh, jobs needed. So basically, there are more jobs and there are more people, right? So we definitely need uh, more people into this field. And I also believe Cybersecurity needs to be a lot more diverse, right? When I got into cybersecurity full-time back in 2005, it was mostly white and male. And I think we are seeing more and more diversity now. I've almost always been the one and only black or person of color in Rome. But uh, I think we are seeing more uh, women and uh, more minorities as well. That's part of the reason why today I actually serve on a, on a couple of boards to, to kind of help 
diversify IT and cybersecurity in uh, particular. But coming back to your, to your question, at the high level, when I started hiring people, when I was an IT professional, I feel like there are really three things you need to, to look at. Number one, most important, I think, is uh, experience, right? If you already know how to do whatever job we are hiring to, I think you have a leg up over the, the competition. Forget about all of the certification or even formal education. If you know how to do the job, that's really the skills we are trying to hire for. That's why for those who are just getting started, uh, I highly recommend they just get any type of entry-level cybersecurity job so that they have experience, right? Uh, the best person I've, I've seen do this is when I was a consultant a few years back in Silicon Valley. We hired somebody right out of college. She did like a, a two-year, a two um, uh, she went to a community college, but did a bunch of cert. So she had the certification, she had the education, but not quite the experience. But within a couple of years of the experience she got, she was able to triple, quadruple her salary in uh, Silicon Valley. So uh, I've, I have seen it, seen it done. So I think it's very important. I think experience trumps every everything else, even if it's uh, unpaid or isn't even as a uh, intern or something. But some type of experience getting into the field, I think, is mm -hmm. going to help you long long term. And then uh, the second most important thing I discuss in the article is formal education, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like in 2021, it's very important to have at least a bachelor. And I think for the most part, people in cyber come from the STEMs uh, uh, side of the uh, education uh, world, like you know, science, technology, engineering, uh, math. Although you could do art and business and something completely outside of STEM and still get into cyber, like even if you are a lawyer, we, we do need lawyers in cybersecurity and industry as uh, as well. But for, for the most part, I think the great majority, they come out of uh, science and mm -hmm. uh, technology. So having at least a, a bachelor, I believe is pretty important, especially if you want to become a manager or an executive or really uh, kind of climb, climb up the uh, uh, professional ladder mm -hmm. in, in uh, this field. And then finally, I think uh, all of the certification. I think if I count back, I probably have more than 28 certification so far, IT certs. But uh, out of all of my certification today, really there are only one or maybe two that really matter. CSSP for sure, because I never want to take that test again ever. And maybe the <laughs> PMP, but all of the other stuff, they can expire. I don't need them anymore. But but I must say when I first started, right? Back in 1997, certification were quite important uh, because I didn't have any experience. I didn't have uh, the education yet. And uh, certification were a way for me to kind of get in, into the, the door. But, but I believe, Anyone who already has previous experience will trump anybody with certification without experience, in my humble opinion. Interesting. Interesting. I think it's a very um, kind of unique perspective because you, you've seen it kind of from both from the corporate world and from the, uh, from the Navy uh, standpoint. And I think it's, it's, it's unique. Uh, so focusing on formal education, experience, and certs, um, it's, it's, thank you. I think, I think, a lot of people kind of tune in to uh, the content that we post. And I think a lot of them find valuable to uh, in the absence of mentors, I guess, formal mentors to, to hear from someone with experience who has achieved your, your career goals. I think it's, it's super, super valuable. Uh, switching gears a little bit. I, I know there are so many things that kind of keep CISOs up at night these days. Uh, there's, no, there's, no, yes. there's no shortage of, there is a, uh, uh, 
new exploits that are coming on board. But I think if kind of broadly, if you look at the buckets, kind of the big the big themes, I'll probably imagine the ransomware is one, cloud security, um, lack of uh, perfect, lack of talent. You mentioned the, mm-hmm. the, kind of the shortage of the mismatch between the number of jobs and number of qualified people. Um, this kind of identity and access management, this is kind of just top of mind, um, third party uh, vendors and, and, and figuring out how to secure the supply chains. So this is what's going on now, but kind of from your, from your position, from your vantage point, let's say you have a crystal ball, you can see into the future, you know exactly what's going to happen six months from now, 12 months from now. In your view, what do you think will be top three themes or challenges? It could be the same, could be different. Uh, but like 12 months yes. from now, what everyone will be talking about, you think? Yeah, I think we tend to do that a lot at the Fob Technology Council, right? Trying to look into the future, kind of see what the trends are going to be. I, I, I must say, for me personally, what really scares me a lot is uh, quantum computing. Mm. Uh, because it's going to make encryption completely obsolete. Uh, that's already been proven. Uh, so very soon, all of the encryption, we have HTTPS, SSL, all of that's gonna be completely nothing. In less than 20 seconds, they're gonna be able to break into it and pretty much, uh, no, because in security, we have confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So the confidentiality piece is completely going to be wide open. So, uh, however, I am a little bit hopeful. Like even this uh, morning, I uh, attended a, a seminar. I think it was, uh, quant- let me see, what was the name of the company? Just, just one second, I will tell you exactly which company that, that is, they are doing a lot of interesting work and I am very uh, interested in uh, finding out about you know, what the uh, solution uh, might be quantum uh, cybersecurity for federal and DOD uh, agency. Uh, I, I went to their meeting this uh, uh, morning, Qual, uh, Qualcomm, right? Q, Q Security is, is one company that is kind of f- focusing on this because this is gonna be a real problem and nightmare very, very soon, right? So. But uh, the good thing I really love about security is, yes, it's a cat and mouse game, right? And sometimes we kind of have the upper end, we have the good guys, but the bad guys don't just know. We retire and give up, right? They, they come up and they find out ways around our control. So I think uh, what's going to happen now is we're going to need to catch up uh, with them. So I am hopeful people much smarter than I am are going to come up with uh, a, a solution that's actually going to, uh, to uh, work. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, like, you know, I've been in the government for 18 years now. All of the algorithms that uh, NSA had chosen and blessed in, in the past, pretty much all of them have been broken. No desk, triple desk, all of them are completely useless today. So we can find another uh, algorithm right now that's that's pretty good, but how long is it going to, to stay good, right? Right now we're saying it will probably take billions of years for some somebody to, to break into SSL or HTTPS with the technology we have now. But with quantum computing, like I said, 20 second game over. So we are, I am confident, very confident we are gonna come up with a counter measure. I don't know what that is yet, but smart people at Q, Secure, Qualcomm and some of the other companies there are thinking about it. I'm mm-hmm. gonna make sure to, to get informed. And I, and I think that's another thing I love about what I do. Right? In cybersecurity, it's not like when my grandparents went to school, they learn a trade or something, and for the rest of their life, that's all they did for 20 years, retire with a gold watch or something. Uh, in 2021, this is really the information age, right? You have to be a leader and you have to be uh, a student for life, really, because everything I've, I've learned, especially in Silicon Valley, right? Uh, we have technology innovation every three to six months, something brand new. So you just have to keep up with the technology and with the knowledge. You are always learning. 
kind of like Socrates, right? All I know is that I don't know anything. So for, for sure, uh, quantum computing is something mm -hmm. that scares me. And I know uh, ransomware has made a lot of noise uh, lately. It's probably going to stay you know, in the near uh, uh, future. And of course, the uh, cloud um, is really taking off, especially after this uh, pandemic, those um, people who had, you know, um, transform who we are thinking about the transformation journey to going from on-premise to the to the cloud. Many of them, mm -hmm. the uh, pandemic pretty much forced them to do just that, so they could just re remain in in business. So I think that's the uh, uh, future, and in in a way, uh, that kind of gives people like me job security, right? Because I know corporation will always need people <laughs> with my skill set. So I think there is a For silver sure. lining lining there. For sure. So you think uh, ransomware and cloud security, again, 12 months from now, they'll still be kind of top of mind for a lot of people. Yes. Um, interesting. That's, that's, that's great. And uh, so kind of, again, switching gears, I, you mentioned you've been with kind of Athenia for a while and our intent is really uh, is to provide a free uh, and kind of, safe, so meaning gated environment for cybersecurity executives to mm -hmm. connect, to network, to learn together and to uh, keep respective organizations secure, but doing so yes. not in an intrusive way, not bombarding uh, members with emails. So it's kind of like, think of it as Absolutely. an amb ambient network that's there when you mm -hmm. need it, but it's not in your face when you don't. So this was kind of our original intent. And I know in certain ways we've succeeded because certain things seems to be working and members appreciated like the weekly CISO wire update that these interviews mm -hmm. it seems like we're getting a lot of positive response but always to your point we'll always try to learn um and and to ask for feedback and we're kind of with this in mind what in yeah. your view what do you think is that what we do that you value that we should do more of maybe and what are some of the things that we're not yet doing that we should maybe uh, can focus on to make it more more effective more valuable for members no, I think um, it's really a great uh, uh, organization. I really uh, like that a lot, the CISO wire update. Now, it uh, looks like recently you, you've added the interviews like this one, always mm -hmm. very, very nice. So uh, we can meet all of the other members kind of get their uh, point of view, right? Uh, this is something I really value since I was at the University of Alabama. As you know, higher education, they really like to collaborate, right? So back then I remember for the, I was a member of EDUCOS and also the Science uh, EDU advisory board. And we would meet with people in the uh, region, all of, all of the other school, kind of see what, what, what they're doing, what we're doing and kind of learn, learn from one another. I think that's really the, the best way to, to learn, looking at your peers and uh, mm -hmm. trying to uh, really uh, keep up with uh, the time, see what works, what, what uh, doesn't work and improve. Mm -hmm that way and also like you know you have those uh, uh mastermind calls uh, mm -hmm. as well like i think in april you have like five or six or six of those and i like like there are different date and, and time so whenever we, we can we jump on those and it's also a great place for networking uh and uh, the thing i always always love um, this has always been part of the of the uh, newsletter but you you always have some events or the uh, newly appointed uh, CISO across the, the industry and also whatever CISO jobs might be mm -hmm. uh, available. So I, I think you really provide a great service. I don't think I would change um, anything. So I'm really proud to be a, a member of the uh, community. It's awesome. And but uh, is there anything that because there is I'm kind of uh, very curious about it because some of the members say, well, COVID is kind of over for 
for the most part. I mean, some flare-ups here and there, but mm-hmm. uh, would really like the opportunity to meet face-to-face, maybe in small groups, maybe not like a large conference or, or maybe uh, I know dinner-type meetings that are more local, whether it's I know New York, Chicago, San Francisco, but uh, mm-hmm. and something something we're seriously considering. But kind of along those lines. Um, other things that you think different format of interaction, because I think networking is a big reason why a lot of people join um, maybe different format of connecting, maybe uh, some of the features on the website for people to connect. Or maybe uh, someone suggested uh, it would be awesome to, if we could provide rate vendors and then other members could see, but then again, it's Mm -hmm. not something that's indexed by Google and, and, and for everyone to see, but it's really for, for the benefit of members so they can, get more yes. um, direct and more not paid for kind of feedback. And, and also they have like a name and a face so that if they have a question, let's say they shortlisted two, three vendors, and then uh, yeah. they can see feedback from other members who had recently had experience with them and they can say, Hey, Bob, mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw that you dealt with Qualcomm recently. Um, um, it's one of the organizations we're considering right now. Do you mind if we talk for five minutes? So those kind of things, it's, it's, and there's kind of a long, it's a long list of things, but, but again, mm-hmm. we don't want to create something that will be too much or uh, we want to make sure that it's worthwhile our effort to put it together, but also yes. it will resonate with the membership. That's why we're, we're kind of curious about feedback on those lines. What are some of the yeah. things, whether around networking or vendors or, or the format of interaction? I mean, uh, masterminds, they're by industry, but they're not by location. And we're thinking maybe doing something by location where it's CISOs who maybe for more diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. and meet face-to-face is because they're in the same, I know they're in Atlanta yes. or, or um, I don't know, Miami. No, uh, I think all of those ideas are great, but I must tell you uh, one thing the pandemic I think has taught us is a lot of this can be done uh, online. And, and I think, for the most part, you can't really replace you know, human face-to-face uh, interaction, but I think technology is a pretty uh, good uh, second uh, and definitely very uh, convenient, right? Uh, sometimes, like it, even now, it's starting little by little, not, not like it was prior to the uh, pandemic, but I, I received an invitation for dinner in San, San, San Francisco or uh, meeting with, with vendors. I've, I've gone to a, to a couple of, of them, but I, I must tell you, having to leave your home and drive for like 30 minutes to the city, trying to find parking and all of that. It's not really something I am excited about like I used, used to be a couple of years ago. It's so much easier for me to do like we just did, get on my computer, click on Zoom and, and, and stay in the comfort of, of, of my home office or, or whatever. So may, maybe there needs to be a, a mix of the two, but mm. it, it does make sense for you to kind of network with people within your region. For example, the form technology council, they do that too. We kind of have uh, regional hubs and uh, we have kind of month, monthly calls where I, I can see the, the people within the San Francisco Bay Area and if I, if I need to, or if I want to, if, it's, if we can uh, meet in person as well. But it's not, it's not really pushes, it's more like organic, right? Um, and that's I what we like that better, but yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to accomplish. We want to make something that's, or, it's not something we force on members, but we want to make sure yes. that we get the feedback and then we get consensus that, yeah, it makes sense. Because again, we yes. don't want to waste your time and we don't want to waste resources. Uh, so yeah. you kind of pick and choose. But thank you for your time. Feedback. Yeah, because I think time is definitely the most uh, important resource in the world, period. But another thing I'm, I'm going to add to to end here is uh, 
I still use about 10% of my time, my valuable time to speak with uh, vendors, right? Like Qual Qualcomm, QSecure, uh, people like that, because I don't know everything and people are coming up with innovative solution. I'd like to be able to, to test them and see if something I might be able to use either at my company in the uh, industry or in, in the US uh, Navy, right? So uh, I think, uh, but then, I guess I, I have to be a little bit careful because some some vendors they have salespeople who just push sell sell sell. That's not really what I what I like. I'm just curious. I just wanted to know what you are doing and if it's even going to be applicable to what I am doing and if if it can uh, help us out. So I think uh, if uh, I'll I'll start uh, making available some of the industry uh, mm -hmm. leader kind of what what they do. I think we we can all definitely learn learn from. Uh, sure. that. I think that that would be a great use of my time as long. As, uh, it doesn't turn uh, in, in, into a sales, uh, sales harassment, point. right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, but definitely the the uh, knowledge and being able to compare vendor and what what they offer and how you might be able to yeah. apply it at your specific well, situation. And and, uh, and on this topic, um, I know every time I bring up vendors, it, it usually gets a very visceral reaction. <laughs> um, if you're thinking back on your experience, right, I mean, the last six months, maybe a year. Um, Without naming names, uh, what are some of the things that uh, vendors or specifically salespeople do? Like, what are the top three things that is just the most horrible, horrible things? And, and on the on the flip side, just to be fair, uh, again, without naming names, uh, what are some of the vendors? What it, they did something that really kind of resonated and impressed you, and it was a good experience for you, and it was worthwhile. Um, yeah attempt that they did to kind of build a relationship and it's, it was productive. Yeah, I, I think the vendors are like best are those who are kind of like in the teaching mode, right? Hey, we have this this thing if you are interested, but don't really put a lot of pressure on you to um, do so. As, as a matter of, of fact, uh, we recently had the huge need to uh, uh, go ahead and uh, hire a different vendor than the one we've, we've been using uh, to execute a pen test and I just went back to my email. I had at least 10, 10 vendors trying trying to sell me pen testing services. So it was now my, my, my turn to, to get to them and say, hey, I did get your email. Now I am interested. Let's 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 stop. Now, what I what I don't like is when vendor sends you emails almost every single day. Like when I like LinkedIn is my number one favorite social media platform, period. I've been using it almost every single day since 2005, maybe 2004. And pretty much all of the jobs I've had since then, all of them came, came through LinkedIn, right? So at the beginning, uh, maybe the first five to six years, I would be getting job opportunities from executive recruiter on LinkedIn. But today, almost every day, I get the salesperson who's trying to sell me whatever it is they're selling that I don't want to, uh, to um, buy. And what really gets to me sometimes is they send me three or four or five messages and then they say, okay, this is the very last one, but still, they send me another message after that. So uh, it's just like, you can't even trust what they what they say. Right? So I wouldn't want to start a, a, a partnership with a, with a vendor like uh, that. So yeah, uh, again, I understand they, they need uh, to make a sales or sell, they, they make a living. But I think it's better when they actually focus on developing a relationship, right? It's like, you know, I understand you. I kind of see what your needs are. And this is something that, that might help. No, no, no pressure, but kind of uh, give us a uh, a chance. I think I, I tend to do better with vendors uh, like that. They don't just want to sell me something, but they actually are solving a problem that maybe I didn't even know I had. Interesting. So basically, you're saying those who focus on 
well, teaching is giving, really. Like mm-hmm. giving, you're giving something without asking anything in return. You're providing yes. maybe a different insight, uh, a different kind of view on on a on an existing problem, or bringing mm-hmm. up maybe a new emerging problem that uh, maybe not not top of mind for a lot of people. But you are again, yes. you're giving without an implicit by now button versus something that absolutely trying to take, which is. Uh, give me your time, give me your money. And then, um, right. Yes. So it's, uh, it, it certainly makes a lot of sense, especially now with technology. I mean, you can push a button and I mean, some, some of the sales tools, I would imagine you can push the button and, and send 10 emails to every person in the world, like you know, 10 times a day. So it's exactly what's even more unnerving is when I get the same exact email from three different people within an hour. I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. They don't even spend a lot of time or intellect or energy to customize the email to me. the same company? Uh, actually, this was two different companies, but yeah, one of them was two salespeople from the same company in two separate areas. Same exact email, word for word. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's just sloppy. It's just yeah. sloppy. Well, Bob, I know we're coming up on, we're coming up on time. Uh, last question. Um, so this year, for whatever reason, and I know what the reason is, but... Um, Two big events. One is RSA in San Francisco, and another the one is Gartner mm-hmm. um, in, in National Harbor, I think, in, in Maryland, are happening at the same time, early June. I think first, first mm-hmm. or second week of June. So for you, is it is it going to be RSA? Is it going to be Gartner? Maybe neither. Like where, where do you stand on that? On that? Uh, it's it's always been RSA. Although to be frank with you, if I can uh, speak freely, it's not the conference it used to be. Uh, lately, I've seen too much sales, vendors selling stuff and not really teaching and learning. Uh, that's kind of a shame because I actually used to work for a company called Pivotal, uh, which was a sister company to RSA, both at the time, at the time we are uh, owned by uh, EMC, which later was acquired by Dell. So I'm, I'm pretty sure RSA is a Dell company now. Uh, yeah, I, I love RSA to uh, death. They have a lot of uh, great uh, product and services. And for the longest, the conference was one of the very best conf- conference in the industry. Uh, but, I, but I think a lot of things have changed uh, for a while now. Uh, that's actually where I uh, met one of my uh, most imp- impactful cybersecurity mentor. I was in 2019. I met her by accident. Uh, she almost offered me a, a job, but we, we talk now like every single quarter. So I, I have, I have a, lot, a lot of good things happening at RSA. You can definitely network with some of the best mind in the industry and, and so forth. But it's just becoming too much salesy lately, I, I, I think. Uh, I, I really would prefer if they went back to really uh, teaching, uh, educating, and kind of showing what is uh, out there without so much pressure on uh, sales. Well, it's probably because all those uh, venture-funded companies raise so much money that they need to <laughs> show some results to their boards. So they, they're... Yeah. And they... To your point, instead of hiring too many salespeople, they should push some of them into cybersecurity careers where there is a shortage. I think they'll be. <laughs> they'll, they'll I think so. <laughs> they'll spend their time better there. Well, Bob, I, I know we're coming up on time. Thank you so much for being so generous uh, with your time. I really, I really enjoyed the uh, interview. And we actually, we are still kind of on the fence whether it's RSA or Gartner. Most likely, it's going to be RSA. So if you do end up going, uh, would love to yeah. meet face to face. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Misha. Okay. I appreciate the opportunity.